we have been in a series of learning about the heart of a disciple. Because in order for this revival that God has promised to grow and to be the greatest revival that's ever been, he needs there to be disciples. He needs you to be a disciple. There's no revival without us working together with God. So he wants you to be a disciple so he can use you powerfully. It's not church, just churchgoers or just simply Christians, lukewarm Christians, that can be used by God, but only disciples, true disciples. And so we've been learning this heart of a disciple. God has been equipping you and building you, maturing you to become a disciple for him. If you weren't here last week or the week before, I encourage you after this to go home, go on YouTube, find us on YouTube. It's, it's 5F Church, 5-fold Church on YouTube, and check out the previous messages. The first one we learned about surrender, how number one, surrender is vital in becoming a disciple. Surrendering your life to God. Number two, we learned that you must have a servant heart. That your life is not your own, but your life is to serve others. Serving God looks like serving others, loving others, putting others first. Number three is obedience. A heart of obedience. The way that it works to be a disciple of God, to be living on this earth, the way that God intended it to be, is for you to be looking to your Father every single day, hour, minute, for guidance, for direction, for instruction. He says in, in the word, the Bible says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. He knows the plans that he has for you. He wants you to have abundant life on this earth. On this earth, in heaven, but also on this earth. And his plans for you are full of abundance and prosperity. His plans for you involve him working through you and changing this world. That is 100% God's plan for you. How exciting that is to just stop and think about that fact. Amen? And, and let's stop and think about the fact that God has plans for us. That he's in control, not you. That he knows what he's doing with your life. That he has every day laid out. He knows the perfect way to direct you, to get you to fulfill your purpose on this earth. To bring his kingdom to this earth. He knows how to lead you to the place of a life full of abundance. Hallelujah. How amazing is that? Just to stop and think about that fact that God has a perfect 
plan for you. Now, he created you. There was a time when you didn't exist. There was a time when God thought about you. There was a time when God thought, I want to do something in this world specifically. And I'm, I need somebody to fulfill this that has this characteristic, this gifting, this quality, this personality. And with this heart of a disciple, I will move through them powerfully and they will change the world. So I'm going to create stone right now. I'm going to create Christian. I'm going to create Jean-Tal. And same for all of you. Do you know God thought about you that carefully? I need to fulfill this. I need to do this here. So I'm, I, know, I have this perfect plan where I'm going to change the world forever. Bring more of my kingdom to this earth. So I'm going to create this person. And they're going to do this. Wow, how amazing that is. That's how God thought. You aren't here. That's how God thought about you. You aren't here on accident. You aren't here because God was just like, I just feel like making some humans. <laughs> but he made you with such care, such intention, such purpose. Hallelujah. This is amazing. You know, it's important we stop and think about this from time to time. Because the way that we accomplish what we were called to do is when we walk in obedience to God. He has a blueprint for you. He has a map. He has a GPS. The only way you can fulfill your purpose, the only way you can have abundant life in every area, receive the inheritance of Jesus, healing, freedom, abundance. The only way is when you do it God's way, is when you follow his map. There's no way you can get there without his map. There's absolutely no way. And so God's designed it this way, that he would create you, and he would have a GPS system for you, a map. And the way you access this map is looking to him every single day. Which way, God? What's next? No matter how old you are, no matter how educated you are, no matter how much experience you have, no matter how many years you've been in church, your heart posture remains the same from day one when you first accepted Jesus as Lord. What's next, God? Where do I go from here? What do you want me to do? What is your will? With the heart of a child. Children are obedient. There's a scripture that, that says, I call you my obedient children. Now, everyone I'm looking at right now, you're not a child. You're an adult. But yet he calls you obedient children. And that's because to the Lord, you are a child. And he's called to you to be an obedient child. Think about children on this earth. Children have to ask their parents for everything. Until you get out of the house and you are on your own, you're asking your parents' permission for every single thing. 
That's how we should be, no matter what age we are, to our Father. And this is so different than the world's way. The world's way, when you grow up, you know, this is a very individualistic society, independent society that we live in. And it's looked at as the best if you are, if you know what you're doing. This is my plan. I'm going here. I'm doing this. This this is what's best for my life. I'm following my dreams. I'm doing what I want. Yeah, that's looked at as the best, the way to be in the world's way, right? But that's not how it is in the kingdom of God. God's plans will always be different than yours in some way. There will come a time in your life, probably several times, when you make a plan that it seems good, but it is not God's plan. God has a different plan for you. It's how he works. He chooses to conceal things to us. In our own mind, we create our best plans, but he chooses to conceal things to us, and then one day, boom, I want you to go here. I've called you to do this. I know you have this plan, but I want you to go this way instead. And we are called to drop everything and say, yes, Lord. No matter how much we wanted that plan to happen, we are called to drop it all and immediately say, yes, God, whatever you say. That's what he's called us to do. To have that kind of reverence for him. Mary, mother of Jesus, you know, she had other plans completely when, it, when an angel appeared to her and changed her life completely. Mary was a teenager, and she was engaged to Joseph. So she was planning her wedding. She was excited about the future. She was going to have a quiet family life, just like all the other girls around her and how her mother had. She was looking forward to that. That was something she's dreamt of her whole life, to, to, to be married, to have children, to have a family, and have a quiet life where she had respect from people, right? That was her plan. And one day, with no warning, with no, no preparation out of nowhere, an angel appears to her. Luke 1.28, an angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary says, how will this be since I am a virgin? The angel answers, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So Mary had all of these plans, all of these dreams, and she knew that in that moment of hearing this news, those dreams and plans went out the window. Not only that, you know, this, this, this is amazing news, but if you put yourself in her shoes in that time, if you are pregnant before you're actually married, you are looked down upon so much. Now you will have a bad reputation for the rest of your life. And that goes with your child and your whole family too. So in that moment, she was human. She had those fears, those thoughts going through her mind. What will people think? What will they do to me? What happened to my plans, my dreams I've been looking forward to my whole life? And on top of that, I'm going to say that, that, that God got me pregnant. That never even happened before in history. How will any, they're going to think that I am, am mentally unstable. They're going to think that something's wrong with me. This is crazy. This is how she would have thought. Those thoughts would have gone through her mind. She's a human. But do you know what is so powerful? is that she immediately says nothing but, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. That is obedience. That is obedience. She, she's demonstrated now her servant heart that we learned about. I am, I know who I am. I am the Lord's servant. My life is not my own. Yes, God. Let it be done to me. This reveals that she valued, she valued God more than anything else in her life. She valued God more than her own plans, more than her reputation, more than how people thought of her. She valued God. She had such respect, reverence, honor, and love for him that she immediately obeyed without complaining, without asking the angel, but what about this? But what about this? But what about when people look at me weird? You can see the obedient heart that she had. And that is why God chose her. She knew obeying God was more important than anything else in this world. Hallelujah. I can relate to that, my, to, to her story myself. For I was planning to be a Christian pop singer, songwriter for a couple years. I was so excited about this plan. I thought this was for sure God's calling for my life. And I had many people encouraging me in that and saying, wow, you're called to do this. It's so great what you're doing. 
And then in one moment, God used a prophet. So it's similar to the angel experience that Mary had. God used a prophet to speak. You're actually called to be an apostle. You're actually called to be a minister. And I didn't want that at all. But more than I didn't want that, I wanted God's will. I didn't want that because public speaking was my biggest fear, and I had no clue or desire how to minister, how to preach. Not a clue or desire. Singing was my favorite thing to do. But I had encountered the love of God, and that love made me want to obey him above everything else. I knew that he knows best. The word says man or woman makes their own plans, but the Lord directs their steps. I knew that this is how God works through Mary, through Moses, through all of the disciples. They had their own plans. And out of nowhere, one day, boom, God reveals, nope, I want you to go here instead. And they obeyed. And there was nothing but reward and blessing and abundant life and promises fulfilled when they did that. Wasn't always easy, wasn't always comfortable, wasn't always fun. But it was worth it. So, like Mary, I said, okay, God. And that's why I am here with you now. Is because I knew that obeying God was more important than my plans, my dreams, than anything else in this world. And it's been the greatest decision of my life. I have received more abundant life than ever before and peace and joy and intimacy with Jesus and reward. Hallelujah. I had so many questions like Mary would have had at that time when I received that word. How on earth will I preach? I don't even know how to speak a sermon. How on earth will I enjoy and have fun doing something that's my least favorite thing to do? Public speak. How? How on earth will people take me seriously How, when I don't even believe in myself right now? How will God use me? How will this happen? I'm called to start a church how will people come I'm young I'm a woman how will people come there were so many questions but I had to let them all go and not even will myself to ask them to the vessel of God whom God used not even ask God because I knew that his plans were perfect I knew that he knew what he was doing with my life better than me. Hallelujah. Amen.
obeying God. You know, we've, we've just talked about how this is really the way that you experience abundant life. And the, it, it's a principle that unlocks the miracles. Many people are not receiving the full inheritance of God, miracles in their life, because they're not obeying God. You don't, you don't receive the inheritance just by saying Jesus is Lord and leaving it there. You have to obey But also, obedience to God is something that we should take very seriously. It's a serious issue. We shouldn't take it lightly. It's important that we don't abuse the grace of Jesus. Amen. God's grace is so amazing that you don't have to be perfect because of his grace. That there are is always a second chance that forgiveness abounds because of his grace. It's not about what you do that, that earns his love. It's his grace that he loves you just as you are. And there's always a second chance for you for in, in any area of your life. Amen? But we should not abuse God's grace. Sometimes people think that that grace means that they can just do whatever they want. Ah, I don't really feel like obeying God today. His grace is there. I'll be okay. That is abusing God's grace. God is very serious about his kingdom. It's not something to play around with. Jesus says, I'm about my father's business. Jesus was very serious about his father's business. And it's time that we become more serious about his business. It's time we become more serious about being a disciple. That really the thing that would grieve you the most would be to disobey God. That's what God's looking for, that heart. That that would grieve you the most. I'm not talking about living in fear. Oh no, what if I mess up? That's what his grace is there for. It's okay, we mess up sometimes, we're not perfect. But we should care more than anything to obey God. When you live this way, then you find yourself becoming more and more like him every day. And stay abiding in his will. When we get serious about his work and his kingdom, obeying him, he gets serious about taking care of your business in your life. He gets serious about revival. When we don't take the kingdom seriously, he, he's not going to just do all the miracles 
He needs us to be serious about this obedience. Amen? Matthew 7, 21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the realm of heaven's kingdom. On the day of judgment, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, don't you remember us? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons and do many miracles for the sake of your name? But I will, I, but I will have to say to them, go away from me, you lawless rebels. I've never been joined to you. So he's saying that there were people who were doing, doing godly work, Christian work, when they wanted to, but not in obedience to God. So this is powerful. I share this because God wants you to take obedience seriously. Whatever your heart treasures, whatever your whatever you whatever your your heart treasures, you will make sure that you have the most care in that. Amen. Like if you treasure obeying God more than anything, then you will obey God again and again and again and again. Nothing can get in the way. But you have to make the intention, I'm going to make it my priority in this life to obey God every day. So every decision that you make, it comes through this filter. Is this an obedience to God? It's that kind of seriousness that God wants you to put on obeying him. Whenever people of God in the Bible disobeyed God, it did not go well. God became angry. God was very upset. Anointing was taken from them. And they lost the favor of God. They lost the inheritance of, of God, the abundant life. Um, one example is Saul. King Saul, he was anointed king over Israel. And um, prophet Samuel, he said to him one day, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now listen and pay close attention to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts. First of all, uh, prophet Samuel says, listen and pay close attention. So he's saying, this is very important. Listen up. Thus says the Lord of hosts. I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel. Now he set himself against him on the way when Israel came up from Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and completely destroy everything that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Verse 9, what happened is Saul goes and kills Many, everyone, but he does except for the king. He does leave the king alive, and he leaves livestock alive, unlike what God told him to do. So verse 9, Saul and the people spared 
King Agog, and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and everything that was good, and they were not willing to destroy them entirely. But everything that was undesirable or worthless, they destroyed completely. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I regret that I made Saul king, for he has turned away from following me and has not carried out my commands. So God takes this very seriously. See, he takes it very seriously. He says, I regret making him king because he diso- he, he knowingly disobeyed. Uh, 1 Samuel 15, 23. For rebellious is as as the sin of divination, fortune telling, and disobedience for sorry, rebellion is as is as serious as the sin of divination fortune telling, and disobedience is as serious as false religion and idolatry. Wow. That is powerful. Disobedience is as serious as idolatry. Wow. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you as king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the command of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now please pardon my sin and return with me so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you for being king over Israel. So Saul actually reveals the idol that he had in the disobedience, and that was fearing man, fearing people. The people wanted him to keep the livestock alive. The people were probably using logic. We could use this as a sacrifice to God. Why would you kill it? That doesn't make any sense. This is perfectly good livestock. They were in the world's way, not God's way. And Saul wanted to please them more than God. And that is what led to his disobedience. You will have times when you obey God, people will not agree because the ways of God are not the world's ways. It's foolishness to the world, the ways of God. It doesn't make sense. You will have people coming and saying, why are you doing that? Why are you doing this? Do this instead. This doesn't make sense why you're doing that. It's foolish. What are you doing? But you have to choose to fear God over man. You have to understand that It's not going to make sense. Even to your logical mind, it will not make sense. I'm telling you, in my case, it made so much more sense for me to be a singer because that is what I believed I was the most talented at and uh, loved the most to do. And there was success and favor in it. I made music videos, and it was going really well, and I had people's support. And it just looked like this is so much better than starting over. Here I, here I was, who I would be starting over. I went to college. I, for, I trained my voice. And now I'm starting over from the bottom. I have no experience ministering. And it's my biggest weakness, public speaking, at that point. And I'm not, I don't feel I want to do it. 
So you see, logically, it doesn't make any sense. And to people around me, it didn't make any sense. Because only few people can see what God had put inside of me. And only very few, very, very few people can see where you will go when you obey God. Few, if any. All of that approval that I would get from people saying, you, you should be a singer, you're great, it's amazing what you're doing, that fell away. It went away when I obeyed God. People didn't get it. People didn't understand it. But I had to choose to fear God over man. I had, what, what fueled me every day to keep going was I must obey God. To do what Mary did. I'm a servant of the Lord. May the word that was spoken to me be done in my life. I must obey God. I must obey God. I must obey God. That's what's most important. I have to obey him. Nothing else matters. I have to obey him. My desires, my plans, my dreams, they don't matter. All that matters is to obey God. That is it. God wants you to make that your biggest passion, your biggest desire, to choose to make that. These things are a choice. Love is a choice. He wants you to make this a choice in your life. This is going to be my biggest passion, my number one priority. Amen? Obedience to God is not always fun. It was not fun when Mary began to show and people were looking down upon her. And then when she started to share with them that the, an angel appeared to her and it was actually the Holy Spirit that conceived, that made her to conceive. Oh my goodness, the looks that she would have been getting and the things that people would have been saying. She went to be with Elizabeth because it would have been for some months because it would have been so hard with all of the words and stares that people were giving her. That was not a fun time. And I'm sure she was super eager to see miracles happening through Jesus, as we see at the wedding where Mary says, turn the water into, or do a miracle. We need more wine, Jesus. And he says, it's not my time yet. So imagine, for she's waiting on this promise for 30 years. Waiting is not fun. I mean, I mean, there was a lot of things that Mary had to do that was not fun. It's important you know that obedience to God is not always fun. But there is always a reward. And it is always worth it. And God works it all out for good. The moments that aren't fun, the moments of the uncomfortable times. God works it out for good. He works it out so the reward will be so much sweeter. So you're molded into Jesus like never before. Obedience is God's love language. Obedience is God's love language. By that I mean there's certain ways that people receive love more than others. What touches God's heart the most is your obedience to him. That's what touches his heart the most. 
you know, I wasn't always surrendered to God, and I wasn't always living obediently to God. But when I encountered him, when I encountered his love, when he showed himself to me, all that mattered now in my life was, was just to obey him, was just, was just to somehow express my love back to him. You know how someone you love more than anybody, more than anyone in this world? Have you ever felt like, ah, what can I do to show my love to them? What can I do to express my love? Maybe you felt, I wish that I had all the money in the world so I could take them to, to all the countries they want to visit and treat them to this and treat them to this and this buy them this beautiful house. Oh, I wish because I love them so much and I just want them to know how much I love them. Have you ever felt that way? Maybe your child or a spouse or a friend. Well, when you encounter the love of God, you want to express your love to God. Amen. And the secret to touching God's heart like nothing else is obeying him. There's nothing that touches God's heart more. That's, that's how you can express your love like no other way. When you, when you come here today, even if it's uncomfortable, even if you're cold, God is like, ah, ah, I've, I'm, I'm, my heart is touched by you today. That you obeyed me, that you showed up here, even if it was uncomfortable. My heart is touched. I'm pleased with you. I, I'm delighted with you. You know, you can't change God's love for you. He loves you no matter what, but you can touch his heart or not. Like a parent loves their child, you can never change the love that they have for them. But you can touch the heart or not touch the heart as a child. Amen? And so obeying God becomes not a chore, not a chore when you live with this revelation. It becomes a delight. It becomes your greatest joy to obey God. That even in the times where it's uncomfortable and it's hard and it's not fun, you remember this is what touches God's heart. God is pleased with me. He is delighted with me. Oh, this is what brings me joy like nothing else. Amen? So God wants you to be fueled with this truth that obedience is what touches his heart. There's nothing greater in the world than pleasing your father. There's no greater joy you'll ever know. Hallelujah. Second John 6. And this is love. So this is the definition of love. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. That's powerful. 
it actually says, this is what love really is. The first commandment is to love the Lord your God. To love the Lord your God. Walk in obedience to his commands. That's what love is. Not doing religious things that you want to do. Not doing churchy things the way you want to do. But obeying God according to what he wants. For me, I wanted to be reading the Bible for hours on end, but God was like, I actually need you to spend a lot of time editing videos so that you can feed my sheep. I need you to speak, and then I need you to make videos, and this takes a lot of time, and I don't really like doing it that much. I had to teach myself it. I didn't know how to edit. But God said, I need you to spend a lot of time doing this. I'd rather read the Bible. I'd rather be worshiping. But God says, no, no, serve me here in this way. So in your life, don't just go through the routines. Don't go through the churchy, religious routines. Don't just serve God how you want. Don't just live how you want. Don't go after your own desires. But every day, look to God. What do you want me to do, God? Where do you want me to go? Like a child, every single day of your life, till your last breath, this is the heart posture that God wants you to have and the only way he can use you as a powerful disciple on this earth. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray for you. Lift your hands. Thank you, Father. I thank you, God, for what you have done in this place, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, for your amazing love, God. I thank you for choosing to use us. I thank you for calling us, and we thank you for having a perfect plan for us, God. We thank you. You didn't have to do that. You didn't have to have a perfect plan, but you did, and we thank you, Jesus, And we say we will walk out this plan. We will obey you every day. We will obey you, God. We will choose to obey you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. May this obedient heart grow in you. In Jesus' name. May it come in you now. May this desire to obey God above all, may that grow in you now, like a fire. Thank you, Jesus. And I declare people to surround you with this heart in your life. And I declare those voices that are speaking for you to disobey God, I declare them to get out of your life, out of your head, out of your life, now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I release healing to you in Jesus' name. Every sickness must go in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Every spirit of infirmity must get out. Any pain, 
pain that you have must go in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I declare a spirit of lack, spirit of poverty must go now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Spirit of addiction must go in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Be free. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.